Our first reading this evening is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, the fifth beginning in the fifth chapter at verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Holy Gospel is from St Luke the 15th chapter. Glory to you O Lord. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, 
These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when his son, this son of yours came, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We can... Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, send us thy spirit, teach us truth. Thou, Son, O set us free. From fancied wisdom, self-taught ways, to make us one in thee. Amen. The parable of the prodigal son is one of Jesus' more famous parables. And maybe it is so because this parable does encapsulate the gospel. It is the gospel in miniature, as some have said. I also think that it's one of the more relatable parables in that this parable uses characters that we have all been. Other parables use kings or farmers or slaves, and we understand those parables. It's not that. But this one uses fathers and sons. None of us have been kings. Few of us maybe have been farmers. Many of us have been parents. But all of us have been a child. And for this reason, because it's so relatable, maybe it's one of the more frightening parables. Because it is described something that we have all experienced to some extent. So we don't have to imagine this scenario like we do some of the other parables. No, we have lived it. We all know what it is to be a child. We all know what it is to receive from a, received, been cared for, supplied by our parents. And those of us who have gotten past high school age have also experienced some of what these sons go through, to grow up to the point where now you have to make it on your own. And in the parable, both of these sons do that. What we also see in the parable, as well as in our own lives and in the lives of the people that we know around us, that those ways are full of danger. It is a sobering parable because there is no safe path. There is no path free from temptation, free from danger, just as there is no path like that in life. And this is heightened all the more because we know this is a parable, this is a story that Jesus tells, but what it describes is a greater reality. And what it ends at is the greater reality of two ends. Ultimately, there are two places that you can end up. You can end up inside, at the feast, in the Father's presence, or outside, away from the feast, resenting the Father's presence, even when he graciously comes to call on you. And as you see this, you, I mean, you understand that this is one of the beauty of the parables is about how they're able to succinctly get at what is most real. 
And therefore, what is most important in life? And this is a parable that not only talks about the reality of sin, the reality of the danger that sin puts us in, but also a parable that tells us the glory of the gospel, the glory of what a gracious and merciful and loving God does for us. So the younger son goes to the father and asks for what would fall to him. And it says that the father divides up his life. He divides up his livelihood between both of the sons. And then the younger one gathers what the father has given him, and he sets out on a journey. As I said, those of us who are past high school age have all gone through some version of this. We set out from our parents. We go out on our own. And just to be clear, what our parents have given us is more than money or property or something like that. Who we are comes from who they are and how they have raised us. Likewise, God has given us far beyond simple material blessings. You can think broadly of the sustenance and the world, the creation around us at large, but you could also think about our minds. You could think about reason. You could think about the consciences that he has given each of us. You could think about the word that he has given us, the guidance that he has given us through his prophets and gospels and apostles. But we also see as the sun sets out, the younger sun sets out, to what ends he directs what the father has given him. And it says here that he goes out and lives a reckless life as it is translated here, is it meaning unsafe. The older translation being prodigal or extravagant, that is squandering, getting rid of, giving away the wealth that the Father has given him. So too we see what the world has put the gifts of God to today. We see how some use reason, for example, to argue against God to argue against God's word. We see that how the bodies he has given us are squandered, often in unsafe ways, ways that God has specifically warned against, ways that were contrary to what he has created us to be. We see how oftentimes the, the material blessings that he has given us are used to ends that are reckless, they're squandered. And as I said, as you go out on your own, or as you have gone out on your own, you have all been witnesses to this. You know the temptations and the dangers that that freedom puts us in. And through your own experience or in seeing others, your own age, who have lived their lives, you know just how dangerous this can be. And you know that the temptation is exactly what it says here. The temptation is to squander is to give up those things that the Father has given us, thinking that we can trade them for something better, trade them for some better end. After all, we know that the world around us makes all sorts of promises if you give those things up. The reason for the parable, the reason Jesus is saying this, as we heard in the first few verses, is because Jesus was eating and speaking with tax collectors and sinners and there were some objections to this. You might think of the thieves and the prostitutes that Jesus uses as examples elsewhere. People who went after money. People who sought pleasure. 
thinking that it would give them what they wanted, thinking that it would end in their happiness. You see in the parable that that is not how it shakes out. The deceitfulness of riches means that they do not end with the happily ever after that they promise. The life and the fulfillment that you see in advertisements, that is not real. Jesus describes living that way as ending in famine, as ending in lack, in want, which is what happens when you give stuff away, when you squander it. In the case of the parable, it says that it leaves that younger son worse off than animals. He admires the animals. You see, too, in the parable that the older son does not follow the path of the younger son, and and he sees the younger son as someone who has devoured the wealth that the father had given him. And instead, the older son had stayed home. Seemingly, he had played it safe. But in the parable, that is clearly not true either. That despite having been given everything by his father, the older son had not used any of it. Instead, although he had been given stuff, he sees the father as stingy, sees the father as a hard man whom he had slaved under for many years, and he begrudges the father's generosity towards someone who had been wasteful, as his younger brother had. And so you see, as you, as you look at this parable, that the difference, the chief difference between the two sons is not in what they have been given, is not even in what they have put those gifts toward, nor is the difference in how the Father has treated them. He gave to them both. He goes out to both. He invites both of them into the feast. But you see, the chief difference is how they view the Father. You know that the unbelieving world sees our Heavenly Father as stingy, as mean, as hard-hearted, as a hard master, someone who tells us not to do stuff that the world tells us is good for us. The world sees the commandments as intolerant, unfair. And that the turn in the parable is when, as it says, the younger son comes to himself. And he remembers his father, and he remembers his father's generosity. And not only his father's generosity towards himself, but his father's generosity toward everyone who was around him. And remembering this, he heads back to his father. Now, he is mistaken in thinking that he can enter the father's presence again on his own terms, but at least he does remember his father rightly. Of course, the glory of the gospel is shown in that the father runs out to meet the child, gives him again the best that he has, and he celebrates in having found his son. He doesn't say anything about coming on as a worker. He welcomes him back as a son. He says that he goes so far as to say that the son was dead, but now he is alive. That death and resurrection is the key to the son's return. And in this parable, you see that neither son has earned anything. Everything is from the father. Everything at the beginning and everything at the end is from the father's generosity. It is given out of the father's love and mercy. 
And furthermore, that you see that neither of the sons was without sin. Neither of those sinners is treated differently by God. And if you want to state the two ends as heaven and hell, as being in the presence of the Father or not, then you see that both heaven and hell are populated with sinners. It is not fair in that those in heaven deserve it. Rather, those who are inside it have confessed their sinfulness. They have seen the famine at the end of the road, and they return banking on the Father's mercy as their only hope. Now, how that end could possibly be squared with God's justice is exactly what Paul tells us in our epistle reading that Christ was made sin for us in order that we might be righteous, in order that we would be reconciled to the Father through him. Christ goes to the cross. This is where we are headed in the season of Lent. Christ goes to the cross to reconcile you to the Father. And the only way out is to deny what he has done for you. The danger that the older son finds him in is not because the Father doesn't love him, not because the Father doesn't want him inside with him or anything remotely like that. Rather, the danger is that, as it says in verse 28, the older son was angry and he did not want to go in. The danger in this parable is sin and being turned away from the Father in our minds. The grace of the gospel is the Father's love shown in that he comes to us repeatedly he calls us to the feast. The gospel of his love and his grace towards sinners like you and me. So come to the feast. Amen.